trust you all out there again. It's very weird, this uh, YouTube stuff, you know. There's no interaction. So, um, fortunately, we did a series on faith <laughs> in the last nine weeks. So I know by faith that you are there, taking everything in. It's making a difference. <laughs> Listen, we're just going to hang around for a couple of minutes while um, everybody dials in. Just give the guys a couple of minutes to, to get in line. Um, if you have, Sandy's giving me the thumbs up. We're on, we're on. Praise God. And we're going. Cool. Yeah, so like I said, if we just give it a couple of minutes for everyone to, to, um, to log on. And uh, so if you haven't yet, just quickly grab yourself a cup of tea or hot chocolate or whatever your poison is. And um, make sure you've got a Bible with you. Get your Bible. It's nothing like having what Sandy calls a brick and mortar Bible. And a notepad and a pen or a pencil to make some notes to write down the scriptures so you can go and look at them again later afterwards. There's nothing like the Word of God to change us, church. You know that. It is always worth, it's always time well spent going over the scriptures and getting it fresh in our minds. So... Um, yeah, it wasn't a beautiful day today. It wasn't a fantastic Pastor Randy this morning. And uh, so good to see the worship team from Haventon there. Well done to them. It's been a really beautiful day, hasn't it? Really good day. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, well, seeing as you guys are the faithful ones here, nice and early and on time, um, if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to the, the book of Galatians um, and get ready there, Turn to the book of Galatians, if you would. And um, chapter 5 is where we're going to be reading from, mainly tonight. tonight. Galatians chapter 5. And tonight, 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 we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit tonight. We're going on to a new series. I love the little um, advertising app that um, uh, the guys down at Portsmouth did. Brilliant, wasn't it? Really good. Really grateful for them. Okay, I think that's enough blather, don't you? Let's get going. So tonight, we are starting a new series on the fruit of the Spirit. What a, what a wonderful way to go now. After, after having set the, the platform for the last eight or nine weeks on setting the foundation of faith, uh, how we live by faith, how we overcome by faith, all this wonderful stuff. Last week, the, the prayer of faith, if you didn't get to watch it, Highly recommend that you do. Sandy shared what I thought was probably the best um, teaching from the series last week. Um, I, I would recommend you go and listen to that. Very, very good. But tonight, now we're going to launch into the fruit of the Spirit. And um, tonight is going to be an introduction, though. We, we're not actually going to go through the nine fruits themselves in detail. We'll do that in the weeks to come. But tonight, we're going to see the, set the platform. Because the fruit of the Spirit, obviously is, is um, the evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So anyway, we'll get into the now. I'm, I'm going ahead of myself. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. We'll dive right in there right now. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. It doesn't say faithfulness twice. I just said it twice, just to emphasize it. Faithfulness, that's a fruit of the Spirit. Isn't that awesome? 
the fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are fruit of the Spirit. And the, the, the word there is for Spirit is, is, is spelled with a capital S. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not our, in our, our spirit of man, but it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, over the last few weeks, we have highlighted the, the basic principles. Oh, excuse me while I get comfortable. We've highlighted the basic principles of, of the life of faith. Um, but obviously, we don't live with a little bit of faith here and a, and a little bit of love over there and a little bit of joy and faithfulness here and some self-control there. You know, that, that's just silly, right? We're called to a holistic lifestyle. The, the Christian life we're called to is a holistic lifestyle. The faith that we live by covers every area of our lives, every day of our lives until Jesus returns. The fruit of the Spirit is something that we want to see being evidenced through our lives every single day of our lives until Jesus returns. It's all a holistic life that we're called to. And in fact, make a note of this, Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. It's a scripture really well worth knowing, I believe. It says that, and um, sorry, just bear in mind, I'm always reading from the New King James unless I state otherwise, okay? So from the New King James, it says that we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son of God, to the image of Jesus. That word conformed, it means to be adapted, to be matched in likeness with his nature. You know, church, we all wonder at times, what's my calling in God? What's my, what has God, God created me for? Romans 8.29 You've been created, predestined to be conformed into the, into the image of Christ, to bear the nature of Christ. That is a high calling, church. That is a high calling. No wonder Jesus, when he, when he talks in John 15, um, you know the, the, the analogy that he uses there of the vine and the branches. Um, and in fact, in verse 5, I want to pick up on that. John 15, verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. We are to be united we are grafted into that vine. When we are, stay, we are to stay united in that vine. And when we are, and that the life of Christ is flowing directly into us, oh man, then we can bear good fruit. It's not produce good fruit. And without Him, we can do nothing. Just like our, our, our sister scripture here, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is these things. It's, it's, the, it's, it's not something we produce, guys. It is, it is evidence of the life we live. John 15, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. You, you, because you are living the life with Christ, these things are going to flow through your life. If you took, if you took an, a, a, a tree and you grafted it into another one, whatever was the stock of that tree would start flowing through the other one. And so this is what we want to see. We want to see the life of Christ, the nature of Christ, as we graft it into Him, as we, as we walk in the Spirit. We want to see the life of Christ, the nature of Christ, being made manifest in our lives. This is what it's all about. Jesus said in one place in the Gospels, He said, by their fruit you will know them. You'll know them. You'll know who they are. That's what He's talking about. You'll know them. Now, obviously, we bear all sorts of, we, you know, the, you get all kinds of fruit, don't you? You get good fruit and you get bad fruit. There can be no fruit at times. Um, there can be fake fruit. Fake fruit, like, like, like um, sweeteners or saccharine. While, while I was preparing this, 
Um, I remembered an incident once. I was on the train commuting up into London for work, and um, there was two young ladies, two young girls, sitting on the other side of the bench, and they were having a good gossip about one of their um, colleagues, who sadly was a Christian. And the girl doing all the talking evidently hated this lady, this Christian sister of ours, um, for reasons only known to herself. But she was saying that this lady was um, saccharine, really. She was saying that, oh, she, uh, you know, this was the conversation that I was listening to. She said, she, she'll say to me, oh, how are you? And she will pretend to care and she'll ask questions about me and my family. And, and I just hate her. She really hated this lady, this sister of ours. Now, I never got to know who the sister was. I don't know where these people worked. No idea. That's all I know about it. But the one thing that did stick with me was that if we're going to live this life of love, if we're going to live the life of the Spirit, let's make sure we're authentic. There is nothing worse than, 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 fake, than fake fruit. You know, you know for sweeteners, uh, Sandy lent me these to show. Sweet, can you see the splendor? These, these, are, these are sweeteners. They, 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 they're not the real deal. It's not sugar. It's saccharine. And you know the problem with sweeteners? You know the problem with saccharine? It leaves a bad taste in the mouth afterwards. Now, whether these young ladies just didn't like this lady, and, uh, you know, our Christian lady sister and had it in for her, I can't tell you. But we don't want to leave a bad taste in anybody's mouth. We want to be living. We want to be the real deal, don't we? And then if people choose to, to talk bad about us and hate us, Praise God, then we persecute for Christ's sake. But let's make sure that we're doing that we are the real deal. Hey, so we don't want to be a bad, fake fruit. And you know, sometimes it's possible to do this. In our desire to want to be a blessing to God, and on in order, in order that we want to just 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 we just want to produce fruit. We just want to just oh come on, you know, we love God so much, we want to get out ahead of him. Don't don't do it. Don't be tempted. Walk with God. Stay united with Him. The fruit will be developed in its time. You see, not only can we have no fruit in our lives at time, not only can we, does the potential to have to produce fake fruit, but there's also the times when the fruit is, 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 is large and edible. My lemon tree. You all know my lemon tree by now. If not, meet my lemons. This comes from my very own lemon tree. I love my lemon tree. Now, this lovely lemon here, I'm going to eat one of these days. And, uh, well, not raw, but, you know, we're going to eat it one of these days. It's off my lemon tree. And uh, this is from last year. This, is, this was produced, started growing last year. This one here, which we went and plucked off the, off the tree for today, is, is going to be next year's harvest. This has started growing now. It takes almost a year for, for this to grow into this. Amazing, hey? And so the, the, the different points in time of our lives, um, we are going to be producing different amounts of fruit. You see, in some areas of our lives, we might be producing well. We, 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 are, we are walking with Jesus, and in a particular area of our lives, let's say in the area of love, man, we are just all loved up. We just love, love, love. And there's lots of mature fruit in our lives. But then it comes to, uh, let's see, long-suffering. Mm. But God is working with us. He's working with us, but still... It's not, it's not this, it's this, it's something's happening. And then, well, in the area of self-control, I just polished off that chocolate cake earlier. Self-control, just not happening, no fruit. Now, bear in mind, God is your father. God loves you. God is working for you. He's not condemning you. He's not looking for ways. This isn't a new set of rules to beat you up about. Okay, this is just, so, uh, this is a mirror. The fruit of the Spirit is a mirror that we can hold up against our own lives and say, 
examine myself. Let me examine myself. Let me take the log out of my eye before I take this, try and take the splinter out of your eye. Let me see how I'm measuring up against the nature of Christ, against what and who he's called me to be. Because church, who we are and who we are becoming is far more important to God than anything that you and I could possibly do to please him or for him. Any gifting we have is from God. But who we are and who we are becoming is vital importance to God. Now, last week I was saying that um, Sandy shared this message on um, uh, the, 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 the final message on the series of faith. And she looked at um, the prayer of faith. And if you didn't listen to it, really, I recommend you do. It was probably the best one in the series. And she was sharing from, from Mark chapter 11. Sorry, I just need a, a sip of water. Uh, thank you. She was sharing from Mark chapter 11. And there was two very interesting um, occurrences that happened in Mark 11 that stuck out to me. First one, that's in relation to what we're talking about tonight. The first one, Jesus is on his way into the temple and um, to, on, on his way into Jerusalem in the morning and he's hungry. And seeing a fig tree full of leaves, he goes over it, expecting it to have some fruit in it. He gets there and of course, as you know, there's no fruit on the tree and he curses the tree. The next day when they're passing back that way, the disciples say, Look, Master, the fig tree you cursed has died. Excuse me, this is the sparking water. Pardon me. But the point is this, is that the fig tree represented the nation of Israel. There was a, a, something far more symbolic going on here than what Jesus had done. The, the nation of Israel, like this fig tree, were presenting well. They were putting on a good show. But there was no fruit in their lives. And you know, you look through the Gospels and, and, and Jesus at times, you know, we, I don't know why religion paints him as this meek and mild dude with the watery blue eyes, skipping through the tulips with a lamb over his shoulder, you know. No, Jesus could be extremely straight. Jesus could be extremely hard at times. You think, whoa, Lord, you know, he'll say to people things like, you whitewashed tomb, you brood of vipers full of dead men's bones. But you know what? That was to the hypocrites. It was to the religious hypocrites. Those that had fake fruit that, that said that we are showing you the way to God and yet they were taking them the way of death. Jesus has no time for hypocrisy. He has no time for fake fruit. So church, no matter how, how much we want to be pleasing to God, don't be tempted to put on a show. Be real. Let's make sure we're authentic and living with God and let the fruit that's produced in our lives be real. So Jesus cursed that fig tree and it died. And then he goes into the temple. I hope you've been encouraged by this. Don't worry, he's not going to be cursing any of us, okay? So Jesus goes into the temple and there he finds the money changers. And what does he do? He turns over their tables, he creates a whip of cords and he drives them out. And he says to them, listen, this house is meant to be a house of prayer, and you've turned it into a, a den of thieves. Why? Because that temple was, when they, when they dedicated that temple, the Shekinah glory of God would fall in that place to the, to the degree that the priests wouldn't be able to stand to minister. The presence of God was so thick, so strong in that place. And now, now it is a den of thieves. These guys have not produced fake fruit. Their fruit, they even kind of even bothered to bear fake fruit. This is just downright bad fruit. They're ripping the people off. They've turned it into a den of thieves. And Jesus will not put up with that. And he drives them out. God. God wants us to be authentic followers, authentic disciples of Jesus. And thereby 
bear good fruit. We don't have to produce it. It will come as a result of being a disciple of Jesus. Now, let's just take a step back. God created us for relationship. The reason for existence, we can tell the world, they're all, they're all looking for the meaning to life. The meaning to life is this. God created you for a relationship. He loves you. He, wants to, he, he has adopted you as, your, as his son, as his daughter. You belong to him. You are God's. You're part of his family. This is why he created you for relationship. Now, in the book of Galatians, Paul, Paul lays out two obstacles that were in the way of the church of Galatia at that time that can still trip us up. And the two obstacles that stood in the, the way of the, of the church in Galatia having the relationship with God that God desired was, number one, the law. The law. And we'll talk about that now. And the other was something that Paul referred to as the flesh. The flesh. So the first thing we'll look at is the law. Now, we're in Galatians 5. So if you just go up a few verses to uh, verse 13, and we're just going to read verses 13 down to 15 briefly. So Galatians 5 verse 13, and he says, For you, brethren and sisterin, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But... If you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. We are called to liberty, Paul says. Now, Galatians chapter 1 through to Galatians 5, Paul is laying out his store on salvation by grace through faith, not by the works of the law. You see, the churches in, Galatians, in Galatia rather, were planted by Paul a few years prior to that. And they had readily received the message of faith, which Paul had, had brought to them. They had got born again. They had they'd given their lives to Jesus. And these churches had been planted. In the interim, between that time and now, when Paul is writing to them, other men have come in, Judaizers, and they have brought the law with them. And they are now telling these men that when they stumble, when they fall, when they sin, now they've got to start doing the, the, the works of the law and they've got to start making sacrifices and, and they've got to start keeping special days and festivals and what have you. And Paul is writing to them saying, listen, you guys, this is not how you, got, you received Christ. Are you, having received Christ by, by faith, are you now going to be perfected by the work of the law? And he sets us this whole store on, on that is our salvation is by, by faith in Jesus Christ alone. That if a man wants to keep the law, he's got to keep the entire law. That if you break just one of the smallest parts, you've broken the lot. Nobody, but nobody can be justified by the work of the law. We've got to be justified by faith. And so Paul is setting this out. And in fact, in Galatians 3.11, I've got to throw this in. Because Galatians 3.11, we all remember from our faith series that the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11. This is one of those occurrences where the, when, when God, had, where God repeats this. The just shall live by faith. Why? Because Paul is setting out this whole, this whole store on the fact that we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ alone. And we are to live by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Not by our own works. Um, so in chapter 5 and verse 1. Paul says, Paul writing, and he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of slavery. The NRV says, It is for freedom that Christ has made us free. Freedom from what? Freedom from the demand of the law. 
Christ has made us free from the demand of the law. And, they, and Paul says to us, now stay free from, from it. Don't go back into it. Because the Jews, were the, sorry, the, the church in Galatia, were now going back into the law. Listen, we were, we were saved by grace. The moment we came to Christ and we repented, Pastor Andy spoke a, a really good message on this uh, two weeks ago, I think it was, about repentance, that we, we let go of the old way of life and we don't just flounder in the middle now of nowhere to go, but we turn and we embrace the new life that, that God has for us and we, and we go in a new direction, 180 degrees turn. And at that moment, we became a new creation. Instead of judgment under the law, if we'd been judged under the law, we would have been found guilty and the condemnation that would have come as a result of that. But instead, God gives us grace and our sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus that was shed at Calvary 2,000 years ago. As far as the east is from the west, we are made right with God. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our sins. We are made right by faith in Jesus Christ alone and what he accomplished for us. But now there's two pitfalls that Paul has to contend with with these people in the, in the area of law. And the one is that they want to continue now to try and, and to justify themselves when they, when they sin by the law. And he says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4, go and have a look at it just now. But he says in Galatians 5, 4, he says, listen, don't you guys know that, that you who try to be justified by your works, by the law, don't you know that you've now been estranged from Christ? You have now fallen from grace? You know that, 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 that saying fallen from grace doesn't mean that you've sinned so badly that God's grace can't save you. Fallen from grace simply means that you have become estranged from Christ. You have decided to go off and try and make yourself right, to justify yourself and your own behavior. That is the one put for. We can never be justified. The grace that saved us is the grace that keeps us. We were saved by grace. We're going to live by grace. We, we were saved by faith. We're going to live by faith. So, don't fall from grace, church. Don't fall from grace. And the second, now, I don't think that's really such a, a problem in the, in the modern church. Um, to be honest, I think in some areas we, we've, we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, in fact. Not in our church, of course. We, we've got a very, very good church. But, I think of this insofar as the second aspect here, which is that they use this liberty, this newfound liberty, as an opportunity for the flesh. They said, hey, so we don't have to keep the law anymore. Now we can live any way we want. And they were living according to their own sensual earthly desires. No fear of God, no reverence of God. And so you have these two ditches, those who are, who are now trying to be justified by the law and those who say, oh, we received this grace. Now we're just going to live any which way we want. Neither of those obviously is right. So these two enemies, these two obstacles that we want to talk about, the first is the law that those standard with the two ditches. And the second ditch really fits into the, to the, to the, the second obstacle as well, which is that of the flesh. You see, there was two things holding up the church, one in their relationship with God. One was the law, uh, that they wanted to be justified by themselves, and the other was the flesh. Now, in the Bible, the flesh means, and I'm going to have to read this to you, okay, mere human nature, the earthly nature of man apart from divine influence, apart from God's influence, and therefore prone to sin and opposed to God. I always think of sin and the flesh as the old Frank Sinatra I did it my way song. Do you remember the song? I did it my way. I won't sing for you. You'll be pleased to know. 
but I did it my way. I took what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted. Thank you very much, God. I'll do it my way. This is the very nature of the fallen nature of man. This is the very nature of that sin nature that it does, it is opposed to God. It wants to do life its own way. But that's not like us. That is, that is not who we are, church. We are, we are who Paul says now in, in Galatians 5, verse 16. Paul continues, Galatians 5, 16, he says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We, church, are those who walk in the Spirit and we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh as a result. Now he carries on in verse 17 and he says, For the, le the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. They're in conflict. So that you don't do the things that you wish. But then comes the good news. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What's he saying? Grace. Grace. If you, child of God, are being led by the Spirit of God, you are not under law. You're under grace. Church, when all else fails, go back to grace. Always go back to the grace of God. You remember, I, I love Hebrews 4. It says, um, I'm getting a little bit off track here, but I've got to throw it in. I'll always crowbar this one because I just love the scripture. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. No matter what you're going through, you can go to God. The grace of God is always there for you. So what Paul is teaching us now here in Galatians, he's saying, listen, church, you're going to find that even though you've got the Spirit of God in you and He is going to lead you and help you overcome the nature of the flesh, you're still going to experience this conflict in your life. It's not a devil sitting on one shoulder and a, an angel on the other whispering in your ear. That's all cute and stuff. What this really is, is the old nature that you inherited from Adam. It's the sinful nature. And the bad news is, you're going to have this until the day you die or the Lord returns. But the good news is, He's given you His Spirit to overcome this nature. And we're going to look at that now. And He gives you, and, and you know what the Holy Spirit does? One of the first things the Holy Spirit always does? He points us back to Jesus. He points us back to his word and he says, you're not under law, you're under grace, child of God. Jesus paid the penalty for you. <sighs> now breathe. Now breathe. Now you can start again, get up again and start following after the Holy Spirit again. So he carries on to verse 19 and he says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are, and we'll just go through them quickly, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. And then he says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, we can all fall in any area let no man think that he's a rock, that we are beyond falling. It can happen to, the, to the, it ha and has happened to the best of, 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 of God's children. It has happened to everybody. Look at King David. You know, you can list them from the Bible even. Heroes of the Bible who fell. So we're not beyond anything. However, what Paul is saying here is that those who practice such things. Now, I'm not, we don't have a license to sin. We're not going back to, to those other kind of people who say, oh, well, we've got grace, so we'll sin, get away with a little bit here and there. No, not at all. Not at all. But we don't. But what Paul is saying is those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay. So, 
What don't we do? We don't try to be justified by the law. We don't use the liberty, the freedom that we've got as an excuse to sin. But what do we do? We walk in the Spirit, Paul says. We walk in the Spirit and we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So, how do we walk in the Spirit? Make a note of this one. This one's worth meditating on. Romans 13, 14. Romans chapter 13, verse 14. And he says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill it in his lusts. I was talking to Sandy. I was bouncing this one with Sandy earlier around. And she said, provision. You know, in accounting, you, we make provision for things. When we know that there's a, a bill going to come in in a couple of months' time, um, what we do is we, we, we make an accrual. We accrue for it. We make an accrual. And, and what they'll do, they'll take some money out of their current um, profit and they'll put it into that the month when they know that bill is going to come in. They, they put a little pot of money there for it. They accrue for it. They plan for it. They prepare for it. They make provision for it. God is saying to us, make no accruals for the flesh. Make no provision. Don't plan for the flesh. Don't make allowances for the flesh. Don't, don't set things in place so that you can go and sin. Rather, make Provision for the Spirit, for the Holy Spirit, not for the carnal mind, not for the, not for the flesh, but make provision for the, for the Spirit. Don't make provision for the flesh to fulfill it in its lust. Don't make plans to sin. It's one thing to stumble, but it's another thing to plan. Don't plan to sin. We don't do that. We make no plan. We make no provision for the, for the, blah, for the flesh. Pardon me. We make no provision for the flesh. In fact, what do we do? We crucify it crucify the flesh galatians 5 24 paul writing and he says those who are christ's have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires crucify it now we can't take the the flesh which is which is the old uh, unregenerated nature we can't take the, our nature and put it onto a cross and physically crucify it that's not what he means but what he does is put it to death and how do we put it to death we deny it we, 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 we deny those worldly appetites. We, we starve them out, basically. And you know what? Just start with fasting. If, there's, if there is anything in your life that is like a habitual sin or just an issue that, that you often stumble in, that you are aware of, that you're aware of, don't go digging, looking for sin in your life that isn't there. But if there's something in your life that you're aware of, fast it. Fast it. Go for a day without doing that, without saying that, without losing your temper, whatever the case might be. And then do it for, for two days. And then do it for a week. Then do it for two weeks. And, you know, pretty soon you're going to starve that thing out. You will crucify it. Now, the bad news is that the minute you stop crucifying it and you let it off the altar, that thing will rise up again. But you know what the good news is? You'll have the Holy Spirit with you till the day you go home to be with Jesus and he will continue to help you you will have victory and once you've got that thing under you know what it's so much easier it's so easy to put it under I mean we all have to grow we all have to go through things you know we all come to Jesus as we are nobody cleans up the act before they come to Jesus we come to Jesus as we are and then we learn and we put these things on the altar and they stay there and you know what they're not an issue anymore they're not an issue anymore we walk with God. We don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, but, but we, we make provision for the Spirit and we walk in the Spirit. Romans 8, 13 and 14 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But 
if by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. We are to put to death the deeds of the body, the lusts of the flesh. And it's how do we do it? By the help of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me. I'm battling in this area. You know what it is. Help me. Help me to crucify this thing. Help me to starve this thing, Lord. Give me something else to focus on, to take my mind off this. Whatever the case is. You know, the Bible says that the Spirit of God leads the sons of God. And that sons and sons of God is, is, is the huias. It's the mature sons and daughters of God. We, we, we all grow into God and, and grow up in God. And, and we want to become mature in Him. One of the first evidences of that, that we are maturing in Him, is when we learn to crucify the flesh, when we learn to put to death the deeds of the body. We yield, yield, church, to the Holy Spirit. You know, when you got saved, you yielded to the Holy Spirit. You didn't come to a day, your life didn't come to a stop. Your old life did, yes. But you just yielded, we yielded. And then we, we pick up the life of Christ and we go in a, in a brand new direction. He takes us in a new direction. We yielded to him and now we follow him. And, and that's not just a once-off, that's for the rest of our lives. Now we live a lifestyle of repentance. That's a whole other subject, I know. But now we live our lifestyle of repentance. Not that 180 degrees that when we first got saved, but those adjustments, those tweaks, just getting back our, our due north. We say, Holy Spirit, you are moral compass. Lord, point me back to Jesus, my due north. Point me back and, and you make those adjustments. It's a lifestyle of repentance, always readjusting, pointing back to your true north of Jesus. So we set our minds on the things of the Spirit. We yield to the Holy Spirit. We set our minds on the things of the Spirit. How do we walk in the Spirit? Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Romans 8 verse 5. Romans 8 verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. For those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What's he saying? Those who live according to the flesh, those who make, like, just like those who make provision for the flesh, you set, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. Th that, that is why they live according to the flesh, because they're setting their minds on it. They're making provision for it. But us, us family church, we are those who live according to the Spirit, and we make provision for the Spirit. We think on the things of the Spirit. We set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Do you want to walk in the Spirit? It's not mystical. It's not mystical. It's very, very practical. Starve the flesh. Set your minds on the things of the Spirit. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Live a lifestyle of repentance, those little tweaks as the Holy Spirit leads you, mature Son of God. And abide in the vine. Stay in His Word. I love the scripture, Paul writing to the church of Galatia. I've kind of jumped back a little bit, but I had a crowbar the scripture in just because it's such a good one. When he's writing to the church in Galatia about the guys that are trying to live by the law, he says, you guys for whom I labor in birth pangs again until now, until Christ is formed in you, until Christ is formed in you. That church is what we desire for you. It's what I desire for myself, my wife, for each and every one of us. I want to see Christ formed in me. I want to see Christ formed in each and every one of us, don't you? Don't you want to see Christ formed in us? This is what it's all about. This is what the fruit of the Spirit, this is, this is evidence of Christ formed in us. This is the nature of Christ coming through us. Not something we produce. It's the evidence that as we bear fruit of the life that we live in the Spirit, so coming into a close now, uh, Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And he says, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We touched on that. So he says, so if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Church, what's inside needs to come out and will come out. We are called to be united in the vine, like those branches, to stay united with Christ, to walk in the Spirit. And by doing so, we will bear good fruit. Let the life of Christ be made manifest through our life. Let this fruit of the Spirit, this manifestation, this this, this evidence be, be visible to those in our lives so that they can see Christ. You know, we somebody said that you and I are the only Jesus this world will ever see. So let's make sure that the, the nature of Christ is being revealed through us as we live with them. Remember, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not something we're trying to produce. And I'm just going to close with this. My little props that Sandy got me, bless her. You see, these little props are so good. I tell you why, because we are to bear fruit. Now, this is a lemon, but let's just say this is love. And this little baby here, this is peace. We, we aren't called to produce love in all its fullness at every season of life. Neither are we called to produce joy in every season of life. I mean, it would be wonderful the day if we could ever. But the truth and the reality is that we go through life. And God has made everything beautiful in its time. There's a season to everything. And as we bear fruit, Jesus says that his Father is a God and he prunes us so that we can bear more fruit. What happens? The fruit kind of, we kind of lose fruit for a little season. And, 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 and God works in us and we get challenged in certain areas. And, and oh, and it hurts. And we're like, we're really challenged in things that we used to produce such lovely fruit in before. And now at the best, we've got these little babies. But you know what? It's okay. Just stay united with God. He is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. God knows what he's doing. He will perfect that which concerns you. He will see you through to the end. So stay united in Christ. You will produce good fruit in your life to the glory of God. God bless you guys. Have a blessed week and we will catch up shortly. God bless you. Bye for now.